Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis 20 on how King Abimelech was ignorant that he had sinned against Abraham, but he had still sinned against God because sin is sin, whether a person knows he's sinning or not. Now, this message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or available on iTunes by searching for the Friendship with God podcast. Now, we need your support to continue this Bible teaching radio program on your station in this city and to encourage you to support the Friendship with God radio program, which is also a Jewish evangelism outreach ministry through Israel Restoration Ministries. We're offering as our resource, as we get to the end of this month, the Calvary 18-day CPR book. That's Conversational Prayer Reading. Now, Tom Cantor takes us through a journey in this 18-day book where we will read Scripture to focus on Calvary to focus on what the Lord Jesus Christ did, and then also meditate on that verse, what Tom Cantor calls Bible breathing. Now, Calvary 18-Day CPR and Bible breathing teaches us how to meditate on Scripture, and Tom Cantor does a great illustrative description of that, and this is a wonderful book and resource that we want to give you for a $10 or more donation to supporting this Bible teaching radio program, and we want to encourage you with this resource. So if you'd like to support the Friendship with God radio program, and Tom Cantor is our Bible teacher, you can do so by calling us now or after the program with your donation of support, and this Calvary 18-day CPR resource book from Tom Cantor will be yours. So call us now again or after the program at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Again, 800-247-3051. Or you can go online to friendshipwithgod.org. You'll find lots of free resources just by clicking on the resource tab. You'll also find many of Tom Cantor's writings and materials available for purchase. So again, friendshipwithgod.org, you can donate online or find Tom Cantor's resources and materials. But again, you can also call us at 800-247-3051 for the Calvary 18-Day CPR book. Now here's Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher, today teaching us on Genesis chapter 20 and how King Abimelech was ignorant that he had sinned against Abraham, but he wasn't considered in ignorance when he sinned against God. We all have an evil conscience. We all have been where Abraham is. Maybe not about our wife, but in some way we've lied or done something where the conscience has convicted us, made us ashamed, made us embarrassed in front of God, in front of man. We all find ourselves like that in in the place where the conscience is described in Titus 1.15 with these words, Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving nothing is pure, but their mind and conscience is defiled. It's made dirty. It's soiled. And we want so much, when that happens to us, as Abraham did in the case in Genesis 20, we want so much to return back, to get to that place that's described in Hebrews 13, 18. Pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. And we want to get to the place where it says in 1 Timothy 3, 9, holding the mystery of faith in a pure conscience, good conscience, pure conscience. Sin makes that defiled conscience. Then there's a choice. Either get cleansed, as it says, 1 John 1, 9, or stop listening to the conscience, in which the Bible describes that in 1 Timothy 4, 2, as a conscience seared with a hot iron. Now, when we find ourselves like Abraham, then we're praying, as Abraham did, as David did, 
in Psalm 51 2, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. That's why this verse in Hebrews 10.22 is so important because it tells us that, we're to, that we can come having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now, what's the water? The pure water. That's the word that the Lord Jesus Christ speaks to us through the Bible where he said in John 15.3, Now ye are clean through the word, but it doesn't stop there. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. See? Now, that's the cleansing word of the Lord. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us. He cleansed us. He cleansed us with his word. He cleansed us with his blood. In Revelation 1.5 where it says, Unto him, the Lord Jesus, who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. See the connection? Loved us and washed us. He loved us and he washed us. If he hadn't washed us, he hadn't loved us. What is our greatest need? To be washed from our sins. Therefore, the great love of God was to wash us from our sins. In his own blood, the emphasis is. In his own blood. And that, in contrast with Hebrews 9.12, neither by the blood, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, which he entered into once the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. That's what he did for us. That's what he's going to do for Israel. That's what he's going to do for the Jewish people. That's the whole movement of Jeremiah 33. Because there he states out with the I wills in Jeremiah 33.8. When God says, I will cleanse them. In other words, I'll wash them from all their iniquity and whereby they have sinned against me. And I will pardon all their iniquities whereby they have sinned, whereby they have transgressed against me. I will, God says, cleanse them. I will pardon them. That's the hope of Israel. That's the Hatikvah. Now, in verse 5, we can see that Abimelech now, he's pleading his cause with God, his case, rather, with God. And he says in verse 5, Said he not unto me that she is my sister? And she, even she herself, said, he's my brother. So what Abimelech is saying to God is that he didn't know that Sarah was Abraham's wife, and he tells God that not only did Abraham tell me he was a sister, but Sarah did too. She did too. And so what he's really saying here is that, wait a minute, I'm not guilty. I was just misled. And it shows us that shows us several things. Well, one thing, it shows us how complicit Sarah was in obeying Abraham and even in lying. But Abimelech is just shocked to hear that Sarah is Abraham's wife. He had no idea. And it shows us something that he recognized it was a great sin. God told him he was going to die because of it. But he didn't even know it, that it was a great sin. But it was still a sin. Even though he didn't know it, it was still a sin. Even though Abimelech was ignorant that he had sinned, he still had sinned. It was a sin of ignorance. Sin is a sin, whether a person knows it or not. It's still a sin. It's a very interesting picture here. Because what we see is a picture of Abimelech who didn't have any knowledge of God, and he sins in ignorance. And so what we see in verse 5 is Abimelech arguing to God that he didn't know. He talks about the integrity of his heart and the innocency of his hands. He's done this. He calls his hands innocence. And all of this conversation is going on. And you know the amazing thing is, is this conversation is going on in the same dream. You know, it's like one night's dream. And in that dream, 
God responds back to him, notice in verse 6, and God said to him in a dream. So God's responding back to him in a dream, and his response shows us something very interesting about God. In the fact that God makes this pronouncement, you're a dead man, you're dying. And then he hears Abimelech's argument, and then he responds back to Abimelech. You know what it shows? It shows that God did not want to destroy Abimelech. He really didn't want to. Abimelech was lost in his sins. He was dying in his sins, literally. And God wanted to save Abimelech because this is who God is. When it says in Luke 9.56, the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's life. The Son of Man did not come to destroy Abimelech's life, but to save them, but to save Abimelech. And so the Son of Man has come to seek and to save, Luke 19.10, that which is lost. Seek and to save. And so when you look at the whole context around John 3.16, it reads like this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might or should be saved. He that believeth in him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the condemnation. Light is come into the world. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So what we have here in these verses 3 through 7 is light coming to Abimelech. This is God. This is light. And so first of all, in verse 3, the light says, you are dying. That's the light that says that. Behold, thou art a dead man. And no one can be saved unless they understand that they have sinned, as in all have sinned of Romans 3.23, and come short of the glory of God. And no one can be saved unless they understand that the consequences of their sin is death. As it says in Ezekiel 18.20, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. And Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. And no one can be saved unless they understand, verse 3, Behold, thou art a dead man. And if God only wanted to destroy Abimelech, he would have stopped there. He wouldn't have gone on. But he goes on in verse 3, and he says, For the woman which thou hast taken, she's a man's wife. See, verses 3 and 7 show us that God did not come to destroy Abimelech. He came to save him. And he came to seek and to save lost Abimelech. And this is what it says, that for there's one God in 1 Timothy 2, 5, and 6. There's one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And he's the propitiation, it says in 1 John 2, 2. He's the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. All right, so at verse 6, God responds back to Abimelech with this, and God says two very interesting words in verse 6. He says, and God said to him in a dream, yea, and here's the two words, I know. Those are the words. I know that thou hast done this thing in integrity of heart. I also withheld thee from sinning against thee. Therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. So Abimelech told God he didn't know. And God said, I know you didn't know. I know. (laughs) I know. So That's interesting because it shows that God knows and he cares about what a person knows and what a person doesn't know. 
<laughs> used to fly into Ethiopia, and you pass over these areas of Africa, you know, you know, the Sudan, and northeast part of Ethiopia, southern part of Ethiopia, very, very primitive places where they've never seen a white man. Some of them still don't wear clothes. And, you know, looking down over, that, over all those things, I said, boy, look at those people down there. I wonder if they ever heard the gospel. Are they going to perish without any hope? You know, anything. You know, can God see them? Does God have the advantage of the Boeing jet to see them down there? <laughs> God, can you see them down there? <laughs> Calling God. Because these two words that God said, I know, we can apply that to the heathen. He knows. He knows every single person that's born. See, when we say, when someone says, well, how can God know? That's speaking from man's limitation. Man's limited point of view, even with his Boeing jet. He's limited, but God has the knowledge. He knows every single person, and he cares about each person, and he's not willing that any of them should perish. And he's able, God is able, not only to know, but he's able to bring them the gospel without any limitation. And so what God said to Abimelech, I know, and I'm helping you. Well, how are you helping me? I'm withholding you from sinning against me. You know, I didn't allow you to touch her, is what he says. And so what is this? What is this going on here? What this is, is this is an illustration of Romans 2.4. It's the riches of God's goodness and His forbearance and long-suffering because the goodness of God is leading now Abimelech to repentance. It's leading him to repentance. It's the riches of God on Abimelech. It's the forbearance and the long-suffering of God on Abimelech. And it's the goodness of God leading Abimelech to repentance. And he's like, he's, God is like, he's taking Abimelech by the hand. He says, come on, let's go together. Come on, Abimelech, let me take you by the hand. Let me lead you to repentance. Abimelech, let me lead you out of the death of verse 3, thou art but a dead man, to the life thou shalt live of verse 7. And that's exactly what God wants to do with every man. And that's why 2 Peter 3, 9 is so important Because it says that God is not willing that any should perish. He might not perish. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In 1 Timothy 2.4, he'll have all men. He might have. He wants all men should be saved. Now, it's very interesting what God says to Abimelech in verse 6. And God said unto him in a dream, Yea, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart, for I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore, have I not suffered thee to touch her? Now, God said to Abimelech, he's very aware of the integrity of Abimelech's heart. It's a very interesting picture because, as we said, he did something wrong. Abimelech was sinned. Didn't know he sinned, but he still sinned. And what happens here is now God tells Abimelech something, and then he stands back and he waits for Abimelech's response. That's the way God deals with man. And so what Abimelech really symbolizes for us is the lost man. You could call him maybe a heathen. And just like Abimelech did something wrong, he took Sarah, the heathen sinned. And Abimelech didn't know they did something wrong, but the heathen don't know also. And he didn't know he did something wrong, and the heathen are also dying because of their sin. But just like God told Abimelech that something was wrong, God, through the conscience, as we've talked about, is speaking to every person, tell them you've done wrong. You've done wrong. You're but a dead man, and you need to retrace your steps. Now, notice here how God told Abimelech what the issue was in verse 6. God said to him that uh, in a dream that I know that you did this integrity of heart, for I also withheld thee from sinning against me. See, God had said to Abimelech that he held him back, 
And he said that he held them back, not from sinning against Abraham. I mean, after all, it was his wife. Why not? Wasn't it Abraham's wife? I mean, after all, that Abimelech had taken. Wasn't it a sin against Abraham? Well, it was a sin against Abraham, but first and foremost, it was a sin against God. So what's really shown us here, by the way God put this, is that all sin is a personal affront to God. It's a personal sin against God. But David saw in Psalm 51.4 when he said, Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this great evil in thy sight. And that's what Joseph said to Potiphar's wife. There's none greater in this house, uh, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin, not against Potiphar, not against your husband, but sin against God, Genesis 39, 9. So God tells Abimelech, okay, I held you back from sinning against God, sinning against me. And then God says to Abimelech what it would have been if he had sinned against him. He said, Abimelech, it would have been a sin if you had touched her, he says, if you touched her. You know, he didn't say take her. He didn't say if she had become your wife, but he says, I suffered thee not to touch her. I find that interesting. You know, it seems so drastic, you know, touch, not to touch. You know, the Bible does say in 1 Corinthians 7, 1, now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. You know, we live in a culture of, of hugs. I mean, everybody's hugging everybody. There's a hugs, everybody hugs. I don't like it. I tell ladies, don't hug me or you'll get fat. I tell them. <laughs> I tell them. <laughs> uh, the, the moment of tension, you meet somebody, are you going to hug or not? You know, so I tell them, don't. And in Japan, it's so nice, because in Japan, nobody hugs. <laughs> nobody touches, nobody shakes hands. It's very nice, you know. They just bow. Now, right away, without any delay, or other words, God goes immediately to what Abimelech has to do to not die. And he starts that off in verse 7 with the word, now. That's how he starts it. You read that. Verse 7. Now of the matter. God was saying to Abimelech, there's just no time to delay right now, Abimelech. This is a matter of now. This is for now. The gospel is an issue of now. When a person has understood that he's a sinner, he's on his way to hell. When Abimelech understood that he was but a dead man, then doing what God says is a matter of now. Receiving the Lord Jesus Christ is a matter of now. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, that, behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. That's why it says at the end of the Bible in Revelation twenty-two seventeen, the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth come, and let him that is athirst come, and whosoever will let him take the water of life freely. So we get this picture. It's like nothing, nothing holding me back. Come, now, take. And God loves then to get to the next word of verse 7, which is the word therefore. See, God is wonderful because he has these therefores to the dilemmas of our life. You know, Satan's therefore is curse God and die. (laughs) Just finish it all. But that's not God's therefore. God starts his revelation to Abimelech in verse 3 with this declaration, you're a dead man. And then he tells Abimelech exactly what he's got to do. He's anxious. You can feel the anxiety of God. He wants to get to the therefore of verse 7 because he wants to get to what do you need to do? This is what you need to do, Abimelech. And the real goal of God and what makes God so happy was that so he could get to the middle of verse 7 where it says, thou shalt live. That's God. He loves to say those words. Thou shalt live. 
That's God's goal. Why? Because that's who he is. That's who God is. In Genesis 2-7, we saw that the Lord God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The breath of life came from God, and man became a living soul. And the Lord Jesus Christ said of God in Mark 12, 27, he's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. And in Romans 4, 17, God who quickeneth or who makes alive the dead. In Ephesians 2, 1, you, you, he says, hath he made alive. You were dead. You were dead in trespasses and sins. In Ezekiel 33, 11, he says, say unto them, to the Jewish people he's speaking, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? And so just as God had a therefore for Abimelech to be able to live, God has a therefore for us and for everyone to be able to live. And he makes it very clear that As he did to Abimelech, he makes it very clear, Abimelech, you are on eternal death row. And that's the statement that God's making to every lost person. You are on eternal death row. It's not going to end when they pull the switch, make the injection, or do whatever they do, fire the shots. It's not going to end. You're on eternal death row. And so he comes to us, he came to Abimelech, and he said, therefore, here's the way of escape. And God came to us and he says, here's the therefore for you, which was the cross. God's therefore for us was the cross. Cost God a lot to become a man, take on himself all of our sins, die on a cross for our sins. But that's why God did it, so that he could say to us, now, therefore, and present the cross. The cross was God's therefore. The cross was God's thou shalt live of verse 7. And so therefore it says, as we've already quoted here in John 3, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And you could plug in there, but should have eternal life. Should not perish, should have eternal life. And then it goes on to say that uh, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. See, twice in these verses, John 3, 15 and 16, we have these two shoulds, these shoulds. We have the shoulds. The first shoulds is that he wants us is that man should not perish. He says it twice. Should not perish. And as we said in 2 Peter 3, 9. And the second should is that man should have everlasting life. Should have eternal life. And God was saying to Abimelech, Abimelech, carefully consider your plight, your doom. Carefully consider that you're on eternal death row. Carefully consider that and take the therefore that I'm offering you. Now, therefore, he says. And now he gives instructions which are very simple. Very simple. He says, just restore the man his wife. That's it. Restore the man his wife. That's it. So simple. It was something Abimelech could do. He could do this. There's no power for him to do it. It wasn't impossible. All that stood in the way of Abimelech doing that was his will. Is he willing to do it or not? That's the way it is with the gospel. The gospel is so simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody can do that. All that stands in the way is a person's willingness or not. And then we see in verse 7 that God tells Abimelech, Abraham, he's a prophet. Now, this is the first time in the Bible that a person is actually identified as a prophet. Now, this is some scene. I mean, you think about this. There's Abimelech. He's just said in verse 5, Abraham had lied to him. 
And his whole defense before God is that because Abraham had lied to him, that he misled him to sin against God. And God never said to Abimelech, you got it wrong, Abimelech. <laughs> God never said to Abimelech, she's his sister. <laughs> you know, that was Abraham's concoction. Anyway, he didn't say that. But it's established, it's stipulated, that Abraham lied and caused Abimelech to sin. And then God directs Abimelech back to this person who lied and caused him to sin and says, he's my prophet. Now, but Abimelech at this point could have said, but he lied and he caused me to sin. And God would have said, yes, that's right. But he's saved. He's saved. He's wearing my righteousness. He's my prophet, as a matter of fact. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. You can join Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor, Friendship with God, or Israel Restoration Ministries. And there through Facebook, you'll be able to receive Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse. It's just one short scripture from the Bible and a small commentary, just a couple of sentences from Tom Cantor on that verse. It's great to apply to your lives. It comes through Monday through Friday on Facebook. Now, you can also sign up online at friendshipwithgod.org to have that come to your phone or through your email Monday through Friday. Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse, again, on Facebook or available through your phone or email by signing up online at friendshipwithgod.org. Now, we need your support at the Friendship with God radio program to continue airing this Bible teaching radio program on this station in this city. To encourage you to support this Friendship with God Bible teaching radio program, we're offering as a resource Tom Cantor's 18-day Calvary CPR book for a donation of $10 or more. Get Tom Cantor's Calvary CPR book. You can get it by calling us at 800-247-3051 with your donation of $10 or more. Get this great resource now, 800-247-3051, 18-day Calvary CPR from Tom Cantor, 800-247-3051. 3051 800-247-3051 or order online at friendshipwithgod.org and donate online to support us.